Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose. Impact is where your unique best self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Tanya Geisler. Tanya, a certified life and business coach, TEDx women's speaker and writer, teaches women and women-identified people how to step into their starring roles, own their authority, and overcome the imposter complex in their life in their work, and in their life's work. I love that. So welcome to the podcast, Tanya. I'm so delighted to have you here and to be able to have this conversation. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here as well. So tell me, uh, how did you come to this this work that you're doing now, this focus on the imposter complex? Why is, why is that so prominent in the work that you're doing? Well, it's... <laughs> There is nothing like being invited to do a TEDx talk to help you get very (laughs) clear, very focused on what it is that you really want to zero in on. And I was invited to do a TEDx talk uh, in 2012, uh, so six years ago now, which seems shocking to me because it literally feels like last year. Uh, And the theme was uh, the space in between what we think is real and what is actually real. Mm. And for some time I had been working with leaders and entrepreneurs and leader entrepreneurs. And, and when, and so I decided that I really wanted to talk about, um, the inner critics, right? These, these inner critics, this mind, these places of stuckness around our mindset. Well, that's the beauty of a TEDx talk. It's 20 minutes. So that was far, far, far too much. And then I so had me getting very granular about what the through line was that I could see in myself, because I wanted to be able to speak about it from a very personal place, as well as these people that I was, these leaders I was working with, these New York Times bestselling authors, these people had been, that had been on the Today Show. What was the, the through line that was in between what they believed to be real and what was actually real. And it was this imposter complex. It was, I'm not ready yet. Uh, it's just a matter of time before they find out I'm not supposed to be here. Um, this is all a house of cards. My success is an illusion. They're, you know, they're going to find out. They're going to find out. They're going to find out. It didn't seem to matter how successful somebody was. Uh, it's just, what do I want to say to there? There was like a, a direct relationship with the the level of success and the level of these self-doubts. So that was fascinating to me. And I got real granular, real clear, real quickly uh, <laughs> about what I wanted to say in 20 scant minutes. Uh, well, that, so that, that I'm not ready yet. Oh my gosh. Does that resonate for me, my clients? And <laughs> it's, it's so tough to make that move from where you are now to where you know you need to be, but oh my gosh. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what I did, uh, so I, so I, I never, ever, ever can talk about the imposter complex without acknowledging and, uh, speaking into the, the, the work of my teachers and that the 
it was Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes who coined the term imposter phenomenon back in 1978. And they were working uh, back in 78 with high functioning, high achieving women and noticed that they seemed to be incapable of internalizing their success. So any success that they had, they would uh, chalk it up to luck or fluke or timing or having somehow managed to, you know, convince or deceive somebody into thinking that they were smarter or more capable or more competent than they were. And their failures, on the other hand, they were more than able to internalize. And this was certainly very consistent with what I was experiencing in myself. And then with these, uh, these clients that I had been working with, uh, with some care and devotion over at that point, about six or seven years. Um, <clears throat> so I looked at their work very closely, and then I, since this, the, the talk, I mean, I've really spent, it has been my life's work to really understand this. So there are six behavioral traits that lead us, um, that we go to when we don't want to feel like the imposter, when we don't want to um, have the experience of being the imposter. Okay. And there are very 12, there are 12 really specific lies that we tell ourselves uh, that are the handiwork of the imposter complex. I'm not ready yet, or you're not ready yet is, is one of them. That's line number seven, actually. So we can go into this whichever way you want to go into this. <laughs> but I always have, I do have some good news that there are three specific strategies that we can come back to. Great. Yeah, I'd love to get yeah. to that. And and mm -hmm. one question I have, as you were talking, you were talking mostly about women, and that's mm -hmm. who you work with uh, primarily. But is this a is this a gal thing or a guy thing or a human thing? It's a human thing. Okay. Um, so because the work started with uh, Clance and Imes in '78, they were working with women specifically. Uh, that's where that's where it began, and, and so it, it has become rather gendered in in the conversation. And men absolutely experience it. Um, and then Valerie Young wrote a book called "The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women," um, and so once again, it continued to have a gendered tone to it. The truth of the matter is, though. Um, the whole point, and there's actually, we understand that there are bioevolutionary, uh, there's a bioevolutionary context to this. It's, it's, it's in place to make sure we don't mutate too quickly. Mm. Um, so the ancient, uh, sages of, of India speak about it. They call it chala or fraud factor. It is here on the precipice of your evolution. Okay. So it shows up right at the edge of your, your growth, your expansion. Yeah, and so it wants thing to, to hear it's it. a yeah. powerful thing. It's yeah. a powerful thing. So my work is never about eradicating it. It is about helping you to understand and to see that it is here simply because the thing that you are working on is deeply important to you. Back to men though, the behavioral traits that are, uh, that, show up when we don't want to feel like the imposter are uh, intrinsically tied to feminine conditioning. And, and again, love attributing my teachers. The, the words feminine conditioning came from uh, somebody named Joe Casey in uh, the UK. So the, and, and so when we, to avoid feeling like the imposter, we might get stuck in perfectionism. We might get stuck in procrastination. We might get stuck in comparison or diminishment or people-pleasing or leaky boundaries. So those are the six signs of... Those are the six signs. Okay. Those are the six places that we're going to go. I don't want to feel like the imposter, so I want to make sure that nobody, that nobody finds any fault with my work, so I'm going to perfect it. I'm going to absolutely... It is going to be spotless. <laughs> um, 
so I know we can talk a little bit more about that, but just from a gender perspective, from a feminine conditioning perspective, uh, for women and women identified folks, these are traits in us that are, it's a bit of a sweeping generalization, but that are encouraged, um, Make sure that people like you. That's the people pleasing. Make sure that you are perfect, not strong. Uh, so these are places that that we are we are more e- uh, quick to grab onto those behaviors than men are. That is not to say that men are not perfectionists. That is not to say that men don't um, succumb to people pleasing as well. But they're probably more in the land of maybe procrastination. Um, more like procrastination. So men experience it. Anyone who is high achieving with strong values of mastery, integrity, and excellence experience it from time to time. And we do know the psychologists say that at least 70% of people um, do experience it from time to time. But from from an excellent standpoint, I'm going to go out on a big old limb here and say that 99.9% of the people that are listening to this podcast have experienced it. doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, who and what, you know, what gender you are, um, that that's showing up for you. Right. And then the the other thing that I'll say is it, it's, it can be situational. Um, and it has to be situational. There are lots of places in your life where you experience it. There are lots of places in your life you don't experience it. Um, so I've got a couple, (laughs) I'm like, this is my life's work, right? So I got a lot of things right. to say about a lot of these pieces. So is it really situational? I mean, that in some cases you feel maybe feel more confident and it doesn't pop up and expansion feels easier or, yep. Yep. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like how high are the stakes? Mm. So um, there, you know, I'll just use myself as an example. I have a yoga practice. I am not overly concerned about being masterful in my yoga practice. My speaking, my parenting, my writing, my teaching, my coaching, I am absolutely, absolutely committed to mastery. So those are the places that I'm going, that it's going to show up for me. Um, But the places that I'm like, you know, I'm a passable cook, I'm a decent yogi, I'm a fine friend, you know, all of these places, I'm not going to feel like the imposter in those areas. It's really pointing you to your values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. That is such an important thing to notice, because um, I think people get really scared and put off when feelings like, well, you know, I'm not ready yet, or or this this is not the way for me to go. They can talk themselves out of it by saying, "Well, I wouldn't be having these feelings if I really was meant to do these things." This is sort of that <laughs> quasi spiritual thing where people can really sabotage themselves by thinking, "Well, you know, it wasn't meant to be." What's yeah, your absolutely. What's your response to that? Well, that's you've just named lie number one of the imposter complex. Again, there are 12 of them, and that is self-doubt is proof of your inadequacy, right? I am feeling self-doubt, therefore I am inadequate, therefore this isn't worth it. Uh, the truth of the matter is, of course, is self-doubt is proof of your humanity, not your inadequacy, right? Right. You are, this is new, um, or this is a new level, or this is a new aspect to a level that you've conquered. Uh, and like I say, it shows up on the precipice of revolution. So that, that self-doubt is absolutely normal and it actually helps you, um, it helps you, it, 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 your, your self-doubt, this imposter complex has actually been part of what has made you successful to date because it has he- helped to keep you sharp. It has helped you to um, keep on your game. And 
when you recognize it for what it is, it's the imposter complex, a very human experience, you can actually bring some compassion into the fold. And that's what makes you a fantastic leader. It's what makes you a fantastic manager, makes you a fantastic entrepreneur when you understand the complexity of the system that you're working within. Well, and it's so much uh, a relevant thing when it comes to having impact for making a difference in the world that this is something that is deep in the heart of people who want to do that, who want to have impact. And in in order to, to step into that, you've really got to move through these things and, and, uh, but it can it can hold you back from from having impact. What what are some of the other lies that people tell themselves? Well, successful people don't experience this is our second one. And that we really want to look, we want to look to other people and we want to say, well, they're not, what that just does is it tries to further entrench us in that belief about, um, you know, self-doubt and inadequacy. But the truth, of course, is that the higher they, quote unquote, they climb, the higher they have to fall. And we don't want, we don't want to fall. Um, And that's why we like to stay nice and low and not pecked off by, you know, the the, the pterodactyl back in our (laughs) Our, uh, um, back in the, those days. Um, but what that's the reason when you hear that Tina Fey, that Meryl Streep, that, uh, you know, uh, Neil Gaiman, they experienced John Steinbeck was writing about the imposter complex. Like we hear when mm-hmm. we hear that, we feel such sweet relief. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw a documentary about Frank Gehry once, the famous mm. architect, and he was talking with Sidney Pollack, and both of them admitted to it, and those two are are and were ridiculously uh, successful in the, the work that they did. So. Absolutely, absolutely. You are so not alone. You are an absolutely exquisite company. There's a great um, article in Quartz. Neil Gaiman is writing about... Um, this fabulous event that he was at and he was talking to somebody else and you know Neil Gaiman's very dry witty way he was talking about and he happened to be my namesake and we were talking about how neither of us felt very comfortable um, in this social situation and who am I to be here and all this kind of stuff and then this is Neil Gaiman writing and then I realized if the first man who walked on the moon was feeling like this then <laughs> <laughs> it was really an excellent company of course it was Neil Armstrong so right. you know they the, we we ex- those of us, let me repeat, who are concerned about mastery, integrity, and excellence are going to feel it at the precipice of their evolution, at the precipice of expansion. Um, and I always really you know, need to start with the beautiful truth about the imposter complex, other than the fact that you're not alone and the fact that you're experiencing it means that you have those high values, um, as well as the thing that you're working on is deeply meaningful and important to you. I also have to tell you that actual imposters don't feel like imposters. <laughs> actual frauds don't feel like frauds. Wow. So that's always the good news too. Yeah. And so ironic because uh, you, you figure it would be the other way around. Yeah. Absolutely. You are all or nothing is the third lie. I just want to make sure that that's in there because it loves to dance in these confidence extremities. You are either a raging success or a dismal failure. Hmm. When we hear these massive um, extremities, like I say, then we know that we are in the land of the imposter complex. It does not give us any wiggle room. So our job is to really just challenge that belief with the one word, which is really? (laughs) (laughs) Only those are the only two options. And we, of course, know that life happens in the in-betweens. Yeah. And that black and white anything is uh, is a signal like, hmm, might want to look at that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just going to, so, I mean, I can go through all 12. This is your show, but I do want to definitely name the fourth lie because this yeah, please is do. so up for us entrepreneurs. This is so up for us wanting to make a difference, wanting to make change. <sighs> you have nothing useful, valid or original to say, mm-hmm. right? So it's all been said before. Um, and certainly and it's all been said better. So when we believe this lie, we don't say anything. We pass up opportunities to collaborate, to um, communicate with our readers, our listeners, the people who are needing to hear from us, uh, and we stay low and not in action. I think that's such a barrier for people, particularly folks that have concerns about their visibility, because, and maybe that, maybe you can bring in. Uh, and it'd be great to hear what all of the lies are. Uh, but that is one of the aspects that pops up for people. Like if I start to put myself out there and, and I have nothing original or useful to say, I'm going to be become a, a target. Yeah. So the, uh, I want to say the cold, hard truth of it, but that's really a very warming truth is that it actually has all been said before. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you about something that ancients of you know ancient sages of India were talking about you know two millennia ago. Um, this is named by clinical psychologist Pauline Clance and I'ms in '78. But nobody has ever, 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 ever taught this work with with contexts from Neil Gaiman and Neil Armstrong. <laughs> nobody <laughs> has curated these lies in this way. Um, so my job is to trust into the fact that my people want to hear it my way. And that's my invitation to everyone listening. It probably has been said before, but never, ever, ever from the way uh, you'll say it from the perspectives that you hold from the lens that you see the world and the work and why it matters to you so deeply and why it will matter to your people so deeply. Your way is the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in, in terms of, of how this sort of unfolds in your business, if you don't mind talking a bit about that and, and to sort of uh, give this a, a personal perspective, how is that? How does that play out for you? I mean, are you you're so on top of the signs and the twelve lies? Does this never pop up for you anymore, or do you do you kind of take notice? And maybe maybe the the three solutions is is um, one of the things that you bring into play on a regular basis, but talk a bit about how this is rolls out for you. Well, I'll just be honest that right now um, it's a, it is a litmus test for me. If I'm not experiencing it in some area of my life, in some area of my work, I'm not stretching out. Mm. I'm not swinging out. So I am about actually rankling it and making sure that I'm working my own tools. So, I mean, Listen, you write a, I'm writing a book about it. So that's where it's really showing up, massively showing up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a scientist. I'm not, you know, I just know a lot about this and I have experienced it an awful lot. I call myself a reluctant expert in the imposter complex. Um, so I experience it quite often because I'm making sure that I experience it because that's how I know that I'm working on something that matters. And when I get a little quiet and a little complacent and life's just a little bit too <laughs> <laughs> I start looking at the edges and going, okay, where have I not challenged myself? Where have I, what, you know, 
that that stage is a comfortable stage for me. So what is the next stage that I'm, that I'm needing to be speaking on or speaking from? Uh, so I, I, I invite it. And uh, because, because I take my role as an expert in the imposter complex very seriously, and I want to make sure that my tools are good and sound and pure and will be of service to people. Uh, and I also, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, my work is certainly not about eradicating it to be certain. It's really about helping people to have a, what the Buddhist monks call it, a faster recovery. It's here. Uh, we get to acknowledge it. We get to use some of our tools. We get to move on. And we get to make the change in the world that we want to, to make. We need get to say the things that need to be said. Uh, so it shows up. It shows up in my, um, I won't say that it shows up in interviews any longer. I've done some pretty big interviews. It's, it doesn't really show up there. Uh, <clears throat> it showed up recently, just before, uh, just in December, I was teaching a new body of work called Unshakable Confidence. Uh, and so it's perfect, right? Like we like to set these traps for ourselves. How do I deliver <laughs> content on unshakable confidence if I'm not feeling, you know, unshakably confident? Right. Um, so that's where that showed up. And I worked the tools and showed up and delivered it my way. Because of course, once again, there was nothing new under the sun. There's millions of people have written about confidence before, but never in this curated way. Uh, and certainly not the way I did it. Um, so that's it, when it sh when I'm teaching new content, it, it'll show up when I'm going on to a bigger stage, quite literally, you know, I, it, it shows up when I go from a hundred person audience to a thousand person audience to a 10,000 person conference, it's going to show up literally at those stages. And, um, I have a nine month program called the Academy and we, every year we invite in more people. And so I, there's a, part of me that certainly goes, <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready for that many more people to be able to hold that many more people. So right. really and truly at every, at every place of new expansion. And then there are, you know, I don't live in that place or then I have my client calls that I feel just such ease and flow and joy around. Um, my writing, I feel ease and joy and flow around. So it's not everywhere, but it's my, it's for my, in service of my own evolution of my own expansion, that's where I'm looking for it. Right. Well, and, and when you talked about your new content, Unshakable Confidence, it's really, you know, I'll, I'll quote you in response to say you're in exquisite company of, <laughs> of feeling like you have to absolutely master everything before you can teach it. And of course, that's not so. Um, your, your own vulnerability, your own willingness to be out there and talk about how you've been able to move through it, you know, is so powerful and valuable for people. So it's, yeah, so it's, I mean, tell tell us about this unshakable confidence thing, because this, when we talk about feminine conditioning, this is right. like the antithesis of feminine conditioning. So right, yeah. right, exactly. So what, um, you know, uh, well, so here's how that started. Somebody asked me what the opposite feeling of the imposter complex was. What is the opposite feel? And with with absolute, with, without batting an eye, without in a nanosecond I said unshakable confidence just like that unshakable confidence that is the exact opposite experience of the imposter complex uh so wow when you know when something just comes through you like that you got to pay attention mm -hmm. and so it got me very curious about what comprised of that and I started looking to 
you know, myself, what I, what I was in the experience of when I felt that unshakable confidence and to other people. Uh, so, you know, that's what I always do. Where is it in myself and how can I observe it in others? And I recognized that there was this really important triumvirate of integrity and presence and action. So, and if those are three very important, um, I don't want to say legs of a stool. So we can be in integrity and presence, but if not, we're taking, we're not taking action, then we're going to wobble. And if we're in action and presence, but we're not in integrity, then we're going to wobble uh, and vice versa. And then what I realized, again, these six behavioral traits, it's like, I, there's, there's no way for me, I see everything as the imposter complex. I see every place of suffering, uh, there are roots in the imposter complex. It's just how I see things. So if you are in procrastination and perfectionism, those, those behavioral traits, again, of the imposter complex, you're probably not in action. That's probably your Achilles heel. So you need to pay attention to where you're not in action in your life. And then I've drilled down into the three things that I think comprise of action. Uh, if you are stuck in leaky boundaries or people pleasing, once again, these are the behavioral traits we go to, to not feel like the imposter, then you're probably not operating from integrity in the way you really want to be. And then, uh, if you're in diminishment or comparison, you're probably not rooted in presence. So unshakable confidence, again, for me, is this, this a triumvirate of integrity, action and presence. And when they're all operating on the equal cylinders, that's where you can, that's when you can operate from unshakable confidence. Hmm. Well, I mean, that that triumvirate that you talk about integrity, presence and action, that's a great way to look at it in sort of a holistic way of of the the way that you're the things that you need to be aware of and yeah. approach. So you, well, and then when you're looking at integrity, so for instance, like you know, in, in integrity, these are all such big words, right? But then, like, <laughs> what does integrity actually mean? Just like we talk about success, what does it actually mean? But for me, and and this is my invitation to people is to under for them to understand what integrity. Uh, you can't sell me on anything other than integrity, action, and presence being the, this the sacred triumvirate, but integrity for you might look different. I look at it as authenticity and honoring of your word and obedience to your vision. Mm. But you might have a different understanding of that. And for me, action is a willingness to fail and resilience and tenacity. And again, you might have a different understanding. And presence is power and knowing yourself and a reverence for yourself. And so I think that that's each of our individual job is to figure out what uh, what brings us to uh, that place of power, what brings us to action, what brings us to integrity. And then I think we have a fighting chance at operating from unshakable confidence in all that we do. Mm. Well, and that's uh, that personal aspect. I think it's, it's so important that we not adopt someone else's definition of what's your value. Uh, you've, you've talked about integrity in a number of ways in, in our conversation. So I'll, I'll ask you, um, it, that's obviously a value that you hold, and it's my belief that people have impact through the things that they value, that they hold mm -hmm. most dear, and that that is the foundation of how you show up in the world, whether you're conscious of it or not. So, what are the things that are most are, are most strongly felt and held by you in this impactful work you're doing? Um, 
the experience that I want to have and everything that I do, and I mean everything, like this conversation, um, the coaching call I'll be leading later today with my academy, uh, cooking for a memorial for my father, it all, I want all of this to be held in joy and operated from joy. That is what I call um, the work I do. I, I invite people to consider what their brand of joy is. So you, my word for that experience of absolute aliveness, being my absolute best self is, is joy. For somebody else, it might be success. For somebody else, it might be flow or freedom or ease or something. But then I, get, I drill into what comprises of joy for me. So to experience my brand of joy, which is joy, I have to feel connection and generosity and gratitude. So because sometimes it's really just as somebody's core word might be integrity, I want to feel integrity in everything I do. Well, there are some tricky situations in life where it's really hard to access joy or integrity or flow or ease or freedom. So our job then is to understand again, a little like I was saying about the unshakable confidence triumvirate, what comprises that for you joy sometimes is too big so i can access though i can question how do i feel more connected how can i feel more generous and how can i feel more grateful and so then it doesn't matter if i'm having this conversation with you or leading the conversation the, uh, the the call later today or making lemon squares for <laughs> for the biggest weekend i get to operate do all of those things from a place of joy if i understand connection gratitude and um, generosity are my my underpinning values. Yeah. Well, with this foundation of, of joy and the connection, generosity, gratitude that are, are part of your, well, it kind of formed the foundation as you're, as you're moving into the impact that you're having with your business, what's your, what's your deepest wish for that? What's the, what's the greatest impact that you want to have and that you are having in the work that you're doing? I oh, I feel little emotional about this so that I know that's true. Mm. Um, I really want people to understand what this imposter complex is and to recognize that it, the value that it serves in their life and to not let it stop them from doing what they're here to, to do. We have all been gifted and granted uh, a finite amount of time and it is our sacred duty. It is our job to make the absolute, absolute best of it and the absolute most of it. And, um, and we all need to find our way and, when I think about you know people listening, um, I, I, I want so badly for people to know that their dreams, that their desires are worthy and uh, so much more than the word worthy even means of the fullest of your attention and your reverence. I love that. Fullest of your attention and reverence. Uh, you, you talked about it or a little bit earlier about um, integrity, part of integrity being uh, obedience to your vision. And uh -huh. that was such a powerful thing to, to say, because I think we can get derailed and get off track. The imposter complex is a, is a classic way where people can really get off track and it keeps people from having the, from, from doing what they're here to do. Yes. Having yes. the impact they could have. 
And I just want to say that there are three things that it's really trying to do, and you've just named it beautifully. And, and one is that it wants to um, it wants to keep you out of action. That's really what it's here to do. It wants to keep you out of action because if you're in action, then you you're going to run the risk of of not being part of the tribe, right? You're you're going to risk falling, leaping ahead or falling behind. Just stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. That's what it wants you to do, right? This whole imposter piece. So it wants to keep you out of action. It wants to have you doubt your capacity and it wants to keep you alone and isolated. Those are the three things that it's trying to do. Okay. Yeah. That go, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's just, it's, we've got that. So it's trying to keep you out of action, doubt your capacities, keep you alone and isolated. That last one is so powerful because uh, we, not one of us can have impact all alone. It always involves a community, a, a, I call it a circle of connection. So whether it's people who are supporting you or people that you're partnering with, it's, I mean, it's all part of that. I, I one of my clients um, is actually really active in this, in still in civil rights. And uh, he talks about Rosa Parks in terms of uh, that the movement was not about just her there was this entire sequence of events that led up to it. And I think that is true for all powerful impact, that there's so much that goes on with a circle of connection, not just yeah. you alone. Yeah. When we are obedient to that vision, then we can start to get that it is bigger than us. And we can't do it alone. So it's super interesting to me or that that's the one that you gravitate towards because connection is I'm going to just go ahead and say it is probably very, very core value for you. I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why that's really up for you. Somebody else listening might be like, ah, what's that about doubting capacities? Oh, my gosh, that's totally my tell or, um, you know, keeping out of action. Right. So we all come. We all we all have our own stretchy bits in all of this. So when we come to those three strategies, it's, it's, it's really, it's uh, simple. It ain't easy, but it's simple. When we are out of action, we need to get granular and clear about why, what is it that we are believing? What are the narratives that we have running through our minds? Some of them might be those, one of, one of the 12 lies of the imposter complex. It might be about worthiness. It might be about, um, you know, ancient narratives from our childhood. It might be our parents stuff. We need to actually get very granular. Again, I say the word granular a lot in this call, uh, but we need to get really specific about what those critics are telling us, the inner critics, the outer critics, and meet them. So I call that meeting the critics as a strategy. And again, simple, not easy. Uh, the next place is, is we need to, uh, if it wants us to doubt our capacities, our job is to remind ourselves on a cellular level, everything that we have ever done and healed and survived and won and created so that we can remind ourselves what, how many other times we have been on this precipice of expansion, how many times we have been here in the unknown, knowing that there was something on the other side of the jump. And it usually looks like a party when we get there. Um, (laughs) But we need to come back to that time and time and time again. And then the third is that, um, that what you're speaking into, I call it assembling the cast. You need to gather the people around you who are going to help lift this thing up because it is so much bigger than you. I'd love that you highlighted all three of those areas because they're um, uh, super important for people to recognize whether you resonate with one more strongly than the other. But I suspect that all of them 
are probably operating in, in the scenario where you're really pushing at the edge of expansion. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And so to answer your question earlier, how do I, you know, how do I deal with my own imposter complex when it shows up? That's exactly it. What are the beliefs that I'm running? What are like what are the narratives that I have around? how big this is going to be or how small it's going to be or who am I to or, 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 and I meet those critics. So I get granular about that again, is <laughs> the word again. Um, and then I, you know, and then I look at all of the other times I've been fearful of this and make, and make the links. If I could do that, then I can absolutely do this. If I can talk to 10 people, I can talk to a hundred, I can talk to a thousand. Um, I can do that. And then the, and then the third of course is I, I get help. Um, I don't do any of this alone. I've got a great team and I've got great support. And the moment I realized that um, my people wanted to see me succeed and they wanted to help me succeed, uh, life sure got a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Well, was there one pivotal moment where you saw an opportunity to make a difference and knew that it was for you to do? Or was it a more subtle, sort of more of a dawning of realization? Uh, that's a great question. And I'm just thinking into yeah. feeling into it. Um, hmm. um, I sort of have two answers. One is a dawning realization that, uh, the more energy I had around this particular topic, the more curious I got about this particular topic, the more I realized that this was mine to, um, speak to and to lead from and to help try to heal in others who were interested in being healed at this. So that was the dawning realization. Uh, and then I had this very specific um, moment, as you say, was there a specific moment? I created the, I had a big belief for a very long time that I, I'm not here to create community. Um, I don't know where that came from, but it just seemed like it was a lot of work or I wasn't the person to do it. Um, and then something happened you know, November of, of 2016. And I just thought there's, there's a lot of people that are needing to come together for various things. And, um, and then the Academy that I created was born out of that. And it's a, it's a beautiful community. It's a, but it's a very intimate community. The very things I didn't think that I would be very good at. Um, but it was sort of like, Nope, you've, you need to do this work in a very specific way. And I heeded that. And that was the Academy has been probably from a success standpoint, uh, from whatever my metrics of success are in my business, it has probably been the thing that has been most fulfilling in the, the 11 years I've been at this. And that was just a very, that was a, an obedience to, an ob obedience to inspiration in that sense. And then recognizing that that did uh, align with the vision that I had been holding that I didn't dare dream. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that turning point uh, that November 2016 was a turning point for a lot of people in terms yep. of consciousness about what is it that I can do to contribute and I'm, I'm seeing this wave of increased awareness and desire and willingness to take action to move through yep. personal obstacles like the imposter complex to be able to contribute to be able to reach out in a way that's going to improve things for all of us so I, uh, I you know i I bow to you for uh, and thank you for stepping up when that vision came to you, when that realization came to you. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
So Tanya, I'd, I'd like to, I'd love to talk for another hour, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to bring us to uh, a, a close with a rapid round, a couple of questions and uh, just uh, hear from you on, on uh, these three things. So the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Uh, that with impact does come responsibility. And it's one thing to, um, and, and so my job is to dance with how much responsibility is mine to take on and then how much is mine to release. Mm. That's great. Uh, the next question is what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Speaking simply as, as myself from myself and just trusting that my people wanted to hear it my way. Mm. That's very powerful. And last thing, what's one insight or piece of advice you'd share with another business owner who's asking themselves, how can I have impact? How can I make a difference in the world in a way that's meaningful to me and to other people? What would you, what would you say to them? I would absolutely say by very virtue of the, the, the fact that you were asking this question, you are the person to activate from there because not everybody is in that question. Trust me on that. <laughs> that's great. And uh, I think that's so true. If you have that question, then you're the one to do it. You're being that's called right. in some way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Tanya, this has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your work in the world and, and what you're doing. And there's so many things that you talked about, the, the ways that we can become aware of the, the imposter complex popping up like procrastination and people pleasing and then 12 lies we tell ourselves and then the solutions that you offered. Such a valuable way for entrepreneurs and leaders who want to make a difference to really step forward and carry that with them and, and walk through that. Um, so uh, thank you so much for, for uh, sharing your own experiences as well as, as what you've learned. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, you ask beautiful questions, and uh, there's such a deep desire on behalf of your listeners that it's palpable. So thank you for doing the work that you are doing in the way you are doing it, Ursula. It's right. beautiful. Thank you. So if, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can reach me through my site at tanyageisler.com. Um, I'm everywhere on social media as Tanya Geisler. And if they go to my site. I do have an Imposter Complex 101 four-video series primer that's free. If they want to go a little bit deeper into the lies, the behavioral traits, all of that, that's free for them to, to grab. Great, which is great. I can attest to that. I, did, I went through that series. And I also listened in on your Unshakable Confidence, which was a call, which was just great as, as well. Mm -hmm. So, And you mentioned that you're, you're writing a book. What's the, what's the timing on that? Is that not a question to ask? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I've written so much about what happens when you're writing a book on the imposter conflict. Well, you're an imposter. <laughs> um, no, it's it's it is real. It is done. I have so many more words than my agent wants me to have. Uh, <laughs> really, just the the scaling back. So look for it, 2019. Great. All right, well, we will do that. So thanks again, Tanya, for uh, for joining us and for. Uh, for your vision and, and what you bring to the world. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. 
If you want to discover more about your impact, you can schedule a business impact assessment with me. That's 75 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Just email me at Ursula at WorkAlchemy.com to schedule your business impact assessment. It's my gift to you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of leaders like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.